Welcome to another exciting episode of Not Angry Black Men. My name is Alan Witt. I'm here with my co-host, Justice B. Hill and Gary Estwick. How's it going, fellas? It's going well, Alan. Gary? I'm a, I'm a little perturbed. We, you know, we, we haven't talked for a while, so I haven't had a chance to talk to Justice about his amazing, almost amazing trip, <laughs> trip to Peru. <laughs> you got you to gotta tell us about it. Who goes out of the country without a smartphone? Who does that, Justice? <laughs> I don't know, Gary. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. What know? happened? What uh, happened? Uh, 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 thanks for reminding me of that misadventure. But you know, it's 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 life. It's a learning lesson. Remember, there was a time in this country where everybody went out of the country without a smartphone. <laughs> you should remember it. <laughs> I, I do remember. <laughs> Well, Justice is back from Purdue. He's back in Cleveland. From Purdue? Peru. Oh, I thought you said Purdue. You need to clean those ears out, JP. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's back from Peru in our lovely hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, Gary is in uh, Clarkville, Tennessee. Absolutely. And I am in Nashville, Tennessee, right down the road from Clarksville. I think I got the better of the three places, but we'll debate that at another time. Anyway, folks, this is Not Angry Black Men. We do this every week where we talk about topics that are relevant to uh, Black people. And as it says, we are not angry Black men, as people seem to want to do when we want to debate what's going on with us. We're just talking about whatever's going on, just like three brothers just sitting around in the backyard, just chatting. This week, we're going to touch on a subject based on, you know, Governor uh, Cuomo in uh, New York and the sexual harassment charges. We're going to take that topic and, and, and go deeply into it as deep as we can in the uh, 45 minutes that we have on this show and just talk about it and see where things stand, why they are the way they are, have things changed and, and things like that. So we're going to start off with justice. What do you want to say about Mr. Cuomo and the Me Too movement? Well, obviously the landscape has changed in terms of the workplace today. And uh, again, I think when we got into the business all those years ago, <clears throat> harassing women or talking to women in a certain way, flirting with women in the workplace, that was considered not such a bad thing. Uh, that doesn't make it right, uh, but there was it, it was a different time. And I think any politician, certainly somebody who's been around as long as Cuomo and his family has, who who doesn't understand that that kind of behavior is counterproductive, is is somebody who's tone deaf. And I am really frustrated with. Uh, Cuomo and the Democrat and how he's addressed this. Uh, and apparently for most of his career, Alan, Gary, 
he's been, it's not like this was new. He's been doing this for years and years and years. And no one said anything. I wonder why it took so long for us to get to this point. Why was he elected governor in the first place? Because this behavior has been going on throughout his career. Uh, this doesn't speak well of, of a politician who understands that the world has changed around him. And as progressive as he may be on one front, he certainly is a dinosaur on, on another. Uh, that bothers me. It's got to bother all of us. I'm thinking, don't you, don't you, don't you agree, Alvin? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't understand it either, other than from the perspective that that was the norm when he was coming up. You know, I look back at some things that, that I saw. I, I learned over time uh, to evolve and change and what all that meant. Uh, but when I was younger, you know, it was a different dynamic. And honestly, you know, women played into it as well because they wanted to be in the workplace. So basically they kept quiet and didn't say anything. I remember when I was at the Orlando Sentinel, you know, we would do things that we even had a body part contest where we judged which women had the better body parts and the women played along with it. Uh, that would never happen today. Women have empowered themselves to say, no, that's not going to happen. And uh, I think that's a good thing. But then you have uh, people like Governor Cuomo, who, because of the power he had, I don't think anyone was bold enough to tell him, no, you can't do that. So in his head, he doesn't see it. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe that he did the things that they say. I believe it. But he doesn't believe it because he came from an age where that was normal behavior. And somehow or another, uh, you know, he's going to be out of office, I think. But somewhere or another, he's got to learn from this and understand what he did in order for us to move forward. Are, are you troubled, are either of you guys troubled by the fact that it's taken the Democratic uh, leadership in, in New York forever to get to the point where, where, I mean, until a couple of days ago, I thought this whole controversy had passed us by. <laughs> I thought they just moved on. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there's a story that broke that the, uh, this, this uh, investigation pointed out that, that they found him essentially, uh, that essentially they said that he did everything that these women said he did. I mean, it, did it, it take it, him really that long to get to that point? Is it fair to say, Justice, that sometimes you expect so much out of society that you think problems like this have passed or passed us, and then you realize, I guess we're still here, right? Whether it's, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's, it's racism, and whether it's bigotry, whatever, you know, you, you, you certainly, I know, and maybe this is being naive, being a little bit younger, you certainly hope that, let's have some new problems. <laughs> let's have let's have some some new some some new problems and you see something like this and you say no way you know there's just no way you could be that uh you, you could disregard everything that's around you that you've seen and you know you're you're living like this is the 1950s with the you know, mad men and an amc show that i that i used to watch uh about uh being at an ad agency in New York City. And yeah, it's just very graphic to understand what that life looks, what life looked like um, in uh, corporate, white corporate America 
uh, a, a generation or two ago. But it's 2021 and some problems are still here. Think about what uh, Alan said about the newsroom in Orlando. Uh, one of the things he pointed out was they had this body part, uh, 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 you know, the, who had the best body part. But also in that period, who did often did you date? Who, it was the people that you met in the newsroom that you invited them out and let's go for a drink, let's do this or that. So when, and this is one of the things that people talk about, when does flirting in the newsroom or in the office uh, where people have similar interests, you have uh, similar friends, when does that go to harassment? I mean, where's the line there? Or have we gotten to the point where you can't ask women in the workplace to go out uh, without it being, if you ask twice, is that harassment? If you ask once, is that harassment? I don't know, but I know it's a, it's a, it's a costly thing when you get to the point where those kinds of things within the workplace are, have become issues that maybe are damaging to, the, to, the, to, to, to you and to your fellow, uh, to the women that you work with. You know, I, I, I talked about Orlando uh, when I was at the Orlando Sentinel, uh, I learned over time and I, I changed and, you know, things that I thought were appropriate. So if I would see something like that, uh, you know, I would, I would call it out. Uh, you know, one of the reasons is, um, you know, I was at the Detroit News, I got extensive uh, sexual harassment training. I also got extensive sexual harassment training when I was at ESPN. Uh, even though, listen to everything that goes on at ESPN. Obviously, they need to do more of that training at ESPN. But, but, my, but my point is, I, I learned, you know, how to handle things. Uh, when I was at the Detroit News, you know, if I would have a meeting with one of my subordinates who was a female, and we had to go into a room, if it had to be super private, I had to close the door, uh, I make sure I sat at the end of the room where there's the where there's the window, you know, so everybody can see what was going on. I prefer to have the door open, but sometimes you got to have private private conversations with somebody, and you can't have it open. Okay, uh, when I was at ESPN, uh, I had a, a woman who came to me and said that you know one of the coordinating producers uh, was sexually harassing her. She was going to leave uh, ESPN. Uh, go down to New York, and he was offering to help her come down and find an apartment and and do all this other stuff. And she and and he was one of those guys who wouldn't look you in the eye; he'd look you in the breast, and it made her uncomfortable. And she told me, and I had no choice. Uh, I believed her, but whether I believed her or not, I had to go to Human Resources and report that. And I did it, and eventually the, the, the guy got fired over that. You know, so. Um, uh, you know, there, there. I've learned over time that there are things that are unacceptable. And as I get older, and I see things like what happened with Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, all of that stuff. You know, it, it it bothers me now. And I look back and 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 think, wow. You know, I I some of that stuff. Maybe I didn't do it, but I knew it was happening, and I allowed it to happen. You know, I chimed in. I laughed with everybody else when. Nowadays, what you do is say, that's not cool. That's unacceptable. And you can do that. Uh, and, and people are starting to do that. I think one reason 
you know, Governor Cuomo got caught is because all of these other same people that 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 is happening to uh, outside of politics is uh, are are now being called on the carpet. So he just fell right in with that. Well, how do you explain having a president who was a serial harasser? <laughs> how, well, how, how do you address that? <laughs> we're gonna we're we're gonna, we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Uh, that one's a pretty obvious one. You know, that that's right there in bright lights uh, with, with Donald Trump. But we're gonna talk about that. Uh, let's, let's 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 back up a little bit. What about what about uh, what's the uh, senator from Minnesota? Uh, I was about to say Barney Frank. You talking about Franken? Yeah, Al Franken. What about Al Franken? Uh, we lost a very progressive. Uh, 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 Democrat simply because of allegations of sexual harassment. And later they found out that that wasn't the case. I think it's easy to accuse somebody of stuff, but we can't get to the point where we believe necessarily that everything that somebody does borders on harassment. Is it, as I said, is asking somebody out once, is that harassment? Is asking them a second time, when does it go from one to the to the other? And there is no line that you can draw other than the woman saying that she's uncomfortable with, with that. I mean, what happens then? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Gary, you're much younger than us. I mean, what do you, I mean, and you're still in the newsroom. Where does that come into play in your thinking? Well. A couple of things. One, Alan mentioned having extensive uh, training on sexual harassment, and, and I've certainly had my share too. But but what I think guides me the most is my, <laughs> thanks to my mama, extensive common sense. Uh, I I, I would say, um, look, I'm a member of the National Association of Black Journalists, as you guys are, and, and certainly have been throughout your career. And there certainly are people. Um, uh, in, in our industries on both sides that, uh, whether it's at a convention or working uh, different beats that you certainly notice, but I always say, is this worth it? Um, am I, uh, I, I take an, I've always taken an extra step and said, okay, is this someone, is, it, it, take, it would take a lot. It would take a lot for me to date, to even attempt to date a coworker to even date someone in my industry just to play it safe because there's so many people in the world. And I, yes, I realize justice were around these people quite a bit, I get that. But there's still so many people in whatever city or town you live in to take that extra step. I mean, it, it would take a lot. I can, I can say I've never even attempted, even attempted to go out for a drink in that, in that way with, with a coworker and I can still count on on one hand, how many people even in, in my industry that I've reached out to in, in, uh, in that way. There certainly is, a, there certainly is some subtleties to, to how you do it. You mentioned about what separates uh, being charming um, and intriguing and, and sexual harassment. There is, there is there's some gray area things there, but then there's also some things, you know, what, like what Alan mentioned about, are you, are, you looking at, are you looking at someone in the eyes? You're looking at them, looking down at them. There certainly are other behaviors that have been excused for decades for way too long that simply should have never happened. But think about this, Gary. Don't you know people who married somebody that they met in the newsroom? Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
So, and that's where we get a little conflicted, I think, because we do get to know these people better than uh, somebody that we re- meet in a bar. We work with her or, uh, for maybe two years before we bother to say, hey, or, or maybe as a group, we all grow, grow out for, for a drink after work and one thing leads to another. I mean, where has the landscape gone? Where has it tilted? Where we can't have those conversations. Alan talked about, for example, uh, that he would never have a, a meeting with a woman uh, in his office closed door. As a college professor, I absolutely agree with the 100%. Never did I have a conversation with a student or even a female faculty member with my door closed. Not at all. Because I don't want them to walk away from that, especially a student who said, well, I had this conversation with you know, Justice and his door was closed and he said this or he said that. You know, how do you, how do you disprove that? I mean, it's just you and this person. How do you disprove that? And these are the things that become uh, a little more, uh, I think, awkward because it's easy to accuse somebody of stuff and to damage somebody's reputation. But sometimes being able to prove that, uh, how do you how do you prove a negative? I, I agree with that, Justice. But there's too much of what there's too much of actually sexual harassment out there for us to focus on what do you do if you're not if you're not sexually harassing somebody there's just yeah. there's too much there's too much real stuff out there for us to worry about that i mean that, that that's just my that's my my, my quick take you, uh, i like the steps that alan said uh i like some of the things you said about you know some of the basic uh, so some some one on one basic things to do, you know, stand, you know, sitting by the window, keeping the door open. I do not think this is an environment where, if you're a man working in corporate America or in the education field, you should be scared. I do not at all feel feel that way. That's that's not what I see. Back in my single days, um, I was single, and uh, if I saw someone that I wanted to introduce myself to. Again, this is not somebody who worked for my company. Um, I'd have no problem introducing myself on the street. There's a certain way, there's certain subtlety of how you go about it. I think a lot of times when we talk about sexual harassment, not every time, again, it's how you do it. You know, two, two people can do the same thing, but you know, put a, one person just presents, just presents themselves a little bit differently. I think that's part of it. I don't think many women and I don't know if this for sure, not a woman, just from when I'm talking to, they don't have a problem being asked out. They don't have a problem being complimented. It's how much do you do it? It's, it's when you can see, you can physically see uh, that they feel uncomfortable or maybe they may say something. How far do you go with it? How hard do you, do you push? Just as I've had, a, I remember one of the last conversations I had as a single man, <laughs> um, I remember uh, meeting somebody um, introducing myself and I could tell she wasn't feeling me. So here's what I did. I said, uh, well, next time I see you, uh, I'll try to be more, uh, I'll try to be more impressive. So, uh, I knew that it, what, what I was doing wasn't working. I didn't try to keep on pushing and going, but I, but I, op- I kept the door open. So if I saw her next time, I would have a chance that I could say hi again and not be, 
uh, and not be weird. So ask again, yourself it's this. Ask yeah. yourself this. If she had worked at the same company, and you and and you said that, and then the next time you saw her was two days later, and you said something. Now, are you getting into the area of great question of harassment or making her uncomfortable? Yeah. And, and for example, I can tell you a, this wonderful story about a friend of mine who he dated a woman at 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 the newspaper he worked for. And this is because we're newspaper people. That's where most of our stories are going to come from. He dated a woman at the paper and they broke up. It didn't work out. So he started dating another woman at the paper. And the woman that he broke up with felt uncomfortable around him in the newspaper, in the newsroom. The, she went to the editor and the editor told him, if this woman files anything against you, we're going we're gonna to fire you. He, he left as soon as he could get out of there because he couldn't change the fact that she felt awkward around him because he was dating somebody else in the newsroom. So how and he wasn't harassing her, but she felt a certain way and there's nothing that he could do about the way that she, that she felt. You, you know, you know, sometimes it isn't, you know, just about your direct, um, uh, interaction with a woman that makes her uncomfortable uh at, at when i was at the tennessean uh we we had this we had this guy who got uh you know picked up uh in a in a in, in, in a prostitution sweep on his lunch break okay <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 women when he came back women in the newsroom were very uncomfortable around him. I mean, they were very uncomfortable. Uh, I mean, some, you know, it, it was, and they didn't have that feeling for him before, but they saw him in a different light. Now he eventually got laid off. And unfortunately, uh, you know, a few weeks after he got laid off, he passed away. Uh, but, you know, that's a situation where he didn't have a direct, uh, you know, contact with the women, but his actions elsewhere created that. Now, you know, just as you, you know, you you mentioned Donald Trump, uh, you know, so we're gonna, you know, delve into the political ramifications. Of, you know, we always end up back in politics on this show, folks. So, you, you know, I want to talk about how with Donald Trump, he, you know, he's he's extraordinary in this, but it's still kind of the norm. Why is it that Democrats, right now, the president? Uh, you know, everybody else, all the all the high power Democrats are calling for Governor Cuomo to resign. But you rarely ever see that when it comes to Republicans. Republicans, they sit back quietly. They hope that it goes away. Uh, the Republicans, uh, who is the person accused, are doing just what Cuomo's doing, say, I'm not going anywhere. But I believe Cuomo will be going because the pressure from within his party is going to get him out, not from the public, from his party is going to get him out. But you well, never ever Republicans, with Republicans. What's the difference between that? And I think you're right, Alan, that he's going to leave. Why have the Republicans taken the same approach? You mentioned Trump, but what about Matt Gates, the the Florida Congress congressman who's been accused of all sorts of buying prostitution or paying for sex and those kinds of things? Where is the outrage on their part? Uh, I, I, I think we're hearing a lot of uh, Republicans 
wanting to take down Cuomo because they looked at him as a as a potential presidential candidate. He can't run for dog catcher, I think, uh, again, not with all of this behind him. But I don't see the outrage in terms of Republicans on that. And I don't think the Democrats were as outraged about Trump and all the allegations against him as they should have been. Am, am, am I wrong in looking at it that way? Well, I, I, I think you are wrong on that. I, I thought that there was outrage. Uh, you know, however, if you remember, um, that was right as the Me Too movement was beginning. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump was fortunate in that when the, those accusations came out, there wasn't this groundswell, uh, you know, uh, with the Me Too movement. If he was president today and he, and he did that, there would be much more outrage than there was then. And, and plus, if you look at it, women have seen that these, these guys have been convicted. You know, so when you, when you get people who are convicted, if, if a woman comes forward before, I mean, keep in mind, you know, there are, there are a lot of women who get raped in this country. There are a lot of women who are sexually harassed, but they don't say anything because they don't think they're going to get anywhere. Yeah. There's no point in you coming forward and saying something if you're going to be the one who's going to be attacked. I mean, you know, you know, uh, you know, let's look at Kavanaugh. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he gets in as a Supreme Court justice by the slimmest margin ever. And you know they they basically abused her when she the woman when she when she testified, which which you know you know delving a little bit a little bit away, same thing happened to anybody else. It, it seems today that lies liars are embraced, and truth tellers are squashed, uh, and you know that that bothers me. But fortunately, the Me Too movement is, is making that less prevalent in, in, in that because women are standing up and coming forward. I mean, if, if you look at all the women who have come forward for Cuomo, a lot of them didn't come out at the beginning. They came out after other people came out. Yeah. But they weren't going to do anything before. Think about it. Cuomo was a powerful guy. So you come out and attack him. Your life is going to be an open book. I mean, the New York Post is going to be, you know, coming after you and writing nasty things about you. You'll be in the National Enquirer, you know, about the, you know, five guys you were with, uh, you know, last week and all this stuff. That is, is now not acceptable. So you don't see those things now because of the Me Too movement, you know. Uh, but as far as politics go, um, you know, you're right. Like guys like Matt Gates. That's, you know, I'm I'm really shocked that none of his people. When you you know, sexually harassing women is one thing, but teenagers is an entirely different. Well, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I mean, so yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's he's got the double whammy. Yeah. You know, he's a sexist and he's a pedophile. Yeah, but Alan, there was a there was a quote in the, uh, in the Wall Street Journal about. Cuomo, and one of the things is from uh, Latita uh, Gates, the uh, uh, state's attorney general. Uh, and she says, this investigation has revealed conduct that corrodes the very fabric and character of our state government. I think the same thing could be said about any politician, whether it's a president or the head of a, a studio or an actor like Bill Cosby, it does erode uh, 
a lot of different fabrics in this country when we allow these things to go on and on and on with nobody willing to say, stop this. And I think with Cuomo and with Bill Cosby, with Trump, we can go down the list, uh, Mike Tyson, nobody stepped forward and said, people who knew him, and mostly I think I put the burden on men who knew these guys who say, hey dude, you can't do this, this is wrong. I think it's our responsibility as men to take a much bigger role to champion the rights of women and to stop our friends who we know are doing some things that are abusive. For example, there was a guy we worked with in Detroit. Uh, I think uh, he's, he's passed now in the sports department who felt he was a playboy. He was always flirting with women. Those guys, you know who I'm talking about, Alan. And, and you say to yourself, yes, it was something that we didn't, that maybe didn't bother us back then. But if those, if that kind of behavior was happening today, we certainly as editors, and you were an editor then, I mean, you did you say anything? And I'm not accusing you of anything, but yes, it was a are. different climate. <laughs> but today you would you would have stopped that immediately. You can't say that. You can't do that. Exactly. You know, I, I would. Uh, I would I would stop that immediately today. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I've grown over the years. And, you know, one reason I've grown, because I, I, I have a daughter. And sometimes you got to ask yourself, do you want someone doing that to your wife? Do you want someone doing that to your daughter? Do you want someone doing that to your mother? I mean, you, you know, I, I think men, uh, you know, sometimes can be a little cold. And they're thinking about, you know, only themselves. And they're not looking beyond, beyond that. Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I know most, most guys, you know, if, if you have a, have a daughter, I mean, you don't want her dating anyway. And if you got somebody who's, you know, coming on to her and making her uncomfortable, uh, you're going to usually try and do something about that. But you don't mind going out and whistling at a woman. And you know what? I'll, I'll tell you, if you, you know, I've, I've seen, I was watching Inside Edition, uh, you know, about, you know, four or five months ago. And they were showing uh, this woman who's a beautiful woman walking down the street and all the cat calls she got. And I, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed for the guys doing it. I mean, they looked, they, they, they sounded like animals. Uh, and, and those are the kind of things that are being exposed. I mean, you know, you know, that was good to see that. And hopefully, hopefully some of those guys saw themselves because you know, uh, when you, when you're doing something, you may see it from one perspective, but then when you actually can see it, then you start to see maybe I was wrong to do that. So hopefully that more of that's happening uh, and, and Gary's gonna you know, delve into that part uh, soon. Uh, you know, things have changed. Things I have always changed. thought that was the stupidest thing cat calls. You know why? Let me, let me tell you quickly why I, I just, like literally one of the stupidest things a man could do on this planet. Because you never get the girl. <laughs> Yep. You're, you're, you're performing, you're performing for your male peers. You never get the girl and you know, you're not, and you know, this, this is not like a surprise. I mean, has in my life, I literally have never seen, you know, Oh yeah. I hear cat calls. Let me go ahead and turn around and go talk to this guy. No, it never happens. I mean, yep, you're right. It's the stupidest thing. It, it is, it is a total, let's do this to perform for, for my guys. It's couldn't be a more stupid thing. 
Alan, have you had this conversation with your daughter? Oh yes, we talk about everything, and and that's one thing that we that we've talked about. I talk about to her about how to handle how to handle those things, and uh, you know because you can you you can come at somebody with with strength. Uh, you can you know what I try and encourage her to do is be smarter than the other person. You know, I mean, everybody know women smarter than men anyway. Okay, so uh, you know because. You know what happens if 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 a guy's coming on to you and you're heavy-handed in rejecting him, he's gonna spread the word that you like women. I mean, because obviously, obviously, he you know you're so great that the only way a woman doesn't want to be with you is 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 if she's a lesbian. That's the only way. <laughs> but you know, I try and encourage my daughter to use her brains more than anything. There are ways that you can talk to somebody and kind of let them down without making their male ego suffer. And that's what I try and encourage my daughter to do is to be smarter than the person who's doing that to you. And it, it seems to work pretty well. One of the things that we have to keep in mind as well, we're talking about this from a male perspective, but there have been a whole bunch of women who've been accused of harassing men. So the Me Too movement, while it's all almost, I don't know what percentage, highly about the role of women, of, of how women have been uh, marginalized or dehumanized, there's also a side of it, particularly with women getting more and more power within uh, all industries, uh, being in a position where they can do likewise, that they can use their power, their sexuality, if they will, to, to promote men or to not promote men who don't want to want them in their lives. It's, it's not just us uh, who are doing it. I think there are stories time after time that we hear about women doing the same thing. Well, you know, that just says that, uh, you know, power is an aphrodisiac. Uh, you know, I, I got to believe that before women, you know, got in that position where those things were happening, uh, men were doing that for years. And then when women got to power, like you said, they started doing it. Yeah. You know, power gives you, uh, you know, it, it gives you a, a, a false sense really of who you are. And, uh, you know, these women, uh, they start to, uh, you know, pay for that by falling into the same traps that men do. You know, not only just with this, but as far as health and, and you know, heart problems and everything else, the same things that happen to men are now happening to women. So I think you're, you'll probably, uh, you know, hopefully not because of the, the Me Too movement, uh, but if this wasn't exposed you, I think you would have seen more women doing the same thing. And, and men, I mean, think about it. You know, if, 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 if it's a man and, you know, him coming forward, uh, is, is especially hard because, uh, no pun intended, uh, because um, you go to the police and they're going to think, I mean, a woman wants to have sex with you and you didn't want to do it, you know? Uh, you know, so, uh, it, you know, it's, it's kind of it's hard for a man to come forward because that puts his, in, in a lot of people's eyes, puts his masculinity in question. If you had 
a young son now, somebody who was 17, 18, what advice would you give him, Gary? I would say, understand your environment. Because so much of what we're talking about comes down to environment. Uh, y'all are, y'all are, Y'all are way too old to know to, to know this or experience this, but you know there's a there's I'm 47. Certain, I don't know what you're talking about. Whatever, Justice. Whatever. Um, so if I'm I'm thinking back to clubs, um, if you know how people dance at clubs, you know the simplest way to explain this is one person's body parts is rubbing up against another person's body parts. That's the simplest way to explain what's going on. And there is an erection in most, in most cases. That, that's, I don't care what you call it, that, that's, that's what it is. In that environment, in that environment, that's okay. That those two people are happy. You take that same situation and put it in a different environment and you got a huge problem. You gotta understand where you're at and who you are. Uh, you gotta understand timing. That's, that's, that's so important to all of what we're, talk, what we're talking about. That is, again, most things play, but you gotta know the right environment that it plays in. You know, uh, Justin, you should have asked me that question because I have a 24 year old grandson and well, I'm asking you a question. Gary just came in and swooped it up. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, my, my grandson, you know, I, I talk to him all the time about respect for women. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to teach him to do things like me. Like, you know, I open the door for my wife. You know, uh, when, you know, people sometimes we're out and I'm opening, I, I go and open the car door and people comment about it. You don't see that a whole lot anymore. Uh, and I try and show my grandson when he was with me, and now I try and talk to him about women, and and how to treat women, and how to you know watch out for you know everything that a that a young man needs. You know he doesn't have his father in his life, so I'm the guy who who does that for him, and and you can do that uh, if but you got to do it. You got to start early. You know you can't wait until he's 24 and start talking to him about how to treat women. You got to talk to him when he's when he's young. If you see him do something to a little girl, you know it, it's not sexual. But if he does something to a little girl, you explain to him why that's not acceptable. And if he, he yells at a girl, he he calls her he calls her stupid or something like kids do, you know you tell him that's unacceptable. Acceptable. You can't. You don't. You don't talk to girls that way. You know you talk to them in a different vein. And he understood that, and he's very good. He is not a, he's not a womanizer. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's a good kid and he's very respectful when it comes to women. I've never ever heard of him uh, disrespecting a female, never. And that's a good sign, but it's gotta start early. Uh, like do you open the door for Nina? I, I, I was gonna say real quick, I like the thing Alan you started with, um, with your experience about opening the door because I'm a, I'm a big believer. One of the best ways to to teach this is to show it. Absolutely. You know, folks. Uh, you open the door for Nina. You didn't answer that. <laughs> actually, I, actually, I knocked down the front of the building. Wow. Okay. That's 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 what a newlywed would do. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think another thing that uh, has uh, 
you know, you know, help the Me Too movement. You know, social media has hurt a lot of things, but I think this is one instance where it's helped. Um, you know, social media can be a, a crutch. Uh, it can be absolutely bad, but it's got some good things to it as well. And I think that's that's one of them. What do you think, Gary? Well, well let, let me weigh in on that. Don't forget social media has made it easier to harass women <laughs> and not, in the sense they do it anonymously. I mean, for all the good the social media has done in terms of uh, uh, putting me, the Me Too movement in the public eye, it's also behind the scenes. That thing is a, is a deadly instrument. Well, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely, Justice. It, yes, but, but getting back to, you can't let, you cannot let rotten apples ruin the harvest, right? Um, and in that way, what social media has allowed, it has allowed um, victims to tell their own stories. You know, it's, it's, it's empowered them uh, that way, to speak in their own voice. And in most cases, they are able to explain tales big and small that as members of society, you stop and say, I didn't know. I, I had no idea. I didn't realize this was so, you know, so important. You know, it's one thing to see, to see, uh, you know, to go through a training for sexual harassment and, and other and discrimination, other things. Another thing to see how hurtful that can be to people because we're all different, right? You know, things impact us differently. I mean, if anything, that's the, probably the, I'd argue the hardest thing to grasp with uh, COVID-19 because one person, you know, it's just a, you know, cough in their throat. Another person's on a ventilator and, and you know, and passes away. So um, how do you understand something that may not impact you? Um, and I think, again, the more people that can explain how in the hours, days, and months later, how uh, these situations um, bother them, how it impacts uh, their careers, how it impacts their, their lives, might impact their, their ability to, to date others. I think the more, um, the more likely we are to uh, exhibit change as a, as a society. Uh, you know, social media shows us, it, it really puts us in one or two boxes. Do you accept the world for what it is and say, hey, that's not my problem, you know? Or do you say, I'm going to be a facilitator, facilitator for change? I can, I can make this change. And yes, uh, it's certainly, social media also shows, like a lot of things in life, it shows the best and worst of us. And there's still a lot of rotten apples out there. Uh, more than we believe sometimes, but there's also a lot of good people. And if you focus too much time worrying about the trolls, you're going to miss out on all the treasures. So uh, again, following hashtag for this Me Too, um, I'm a survivor. It's great to see uh, to see these many people, and most times women, um, how it empowers them to find their community to connect with other people and realize it's not just them, because that's one of the questions you'll, uh, you know, before social media, especially 
that women that are put in situations might have is in me. Am I the only one going through this? Because where do they go? Do they go to the authorities? Do they go to management? Even if they are able to go to go to that, they're not talking to, they may not be talking to friends about this, may not even be talking to close friends, might not be talking to families. It's embarrassing. And, you know, this is, you know, it, it, it can, it can unfortunately really put them in a polarizing place and social media allows them to realize it's not just me. Um, you know, any arguments that someone has about something that happens seven years ago versus seven minutes ago, you shouldn't have done the shit seven years ago either. Right. You know, it doesn't, it's, it's unfortunate that you did it. That's on you. So, um, yeah. And again, I, 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 the same way we are learning more about PTSD from our, our soldiers that, you know, defend our borders overseas from our first responders that balance, uh, putting their life on the line and going back home to their families in the same day. I think we're going to continue to learn how, um, situations like sexual, sexual harassment can, um, can, uh, can be a labor on the you know, emotional strength of people for, for quite a while. At some point though, when does, it, when does a woman have to say to herself, I need to share this with someone? Uh, you can't keep, and, and one of the things I think that bothers a lot of people is the stories that come out 10 years later. Uh, the stories, for example, about Kavanaugh, which came out when he was 18 or 17, he's in his 50s now, and he did some things. Does, does, it does, I'm not defending what he did, mm-hmm. but don't people change? Do you want to be judged necessarily by the things you did when you were 17 and 18? When well, you were we 50? certainly don't, Justice. What? You and I certainly don't. <laughs> and Gary was even worse. <laughs> he was 17, 18. You know, Justice, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, fortunately, you know, because of social media, because of the YouTube movement, uh, I think you'll you'll start seeing people more readily coming forward so that, you know, 30 years from now, we won't have a Kavanaugh situation. You may, you may have some, but you're not going to have as many as you'd have now. I mean, because think about back to that time. And you're right, people change over time, but that's still behavior. And, and, and I don't, you know, you know uh, the things I said about Orlando, I saw, I didn't do. Always was smart enough to know not to do that stuff, okay? I saw it and didn't do anything about it. But if you do something like what they're accusing Kavanaugh, I mean, that's basically rape. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see how you, I, I don't see how you come back from that. And maybe you haven't done something. Like I know those thoughts still have to be in there. Do I want someone of that caliber, um, you know, you know, judging me and other other people? I think the answer for me to that is is no. Uh, I mean, you know, if you you know stole a candy bar from the drugstore, that's one thing. But when you're basically raping somebody, that's an entirely different thing. I mean, rape is a, I mean, I mean, I mean, think about it. You know, you, you talk about he's changed over time, but what has that woman been carrying for all those years? There's no penalty for that. He messed her life up and whether he's changed or not, 
I mean, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, stories where someone committed a murder uh, 30 years ago and they totally changed their life around. And, uh, you know, uh, they became a pillar of society and then it was found out and they still went to jail. I mean, yeah. the person's still dead. And this woman is still hurting from what Kavanaugh did to her. You know, I don't know how you get away from that. Uh, you know, so anyway. I agree. And, and you know, I'd, I'd add to that, Alan, and say in a, in a general sense, um, and let's put let's put rape aside because there you know again that that's not going anywhere. You you don't, you don't say I'm a different person after after committing such a um, horrendous crime. So put, putting that aside, let's speak of sexual harassment to some degree of that. What have you done since you realized that was such a stupid thing to do? What have you done? You know, have you reached out to? Uh, to former victim, to a former victim or victims, uh, have you talked about it publicly and explained how you're a different person now? I mean, those the same things that you hear after news comes out, after the apology, and they say, "I'm going to be so much better." What have you done bef long before all that? I can't think of too many people that have been accused of sexual harassment that have uh, addressed beforehand how they're a different person than what they were at their time. Because too often it's, we're just gonna hide this under a rug. We're gonna pay, we're, gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna use money to, to, silence, uh, to silence voices. And again, that's where social media plays in part. Uh, if the world was, if the world in 2001 was what it was in 2021, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have people that speak out 20 years later about sexual harassment. Let's not forget, there was a time that nobody gave a fuck about sexual harassment. And it, not, I'm saying everybody, that, that it, it wasn't taken as seriously as it is now. There was a time, and if we go back, you know, even a full generation or two, you know, it just, it continues to get laughable. So these old stories are old because nobody cared, or few people cared, not as many as now, at the time. It's, it's not that they've been sitting on this purposely. It's that they did not have, for whatever reason, or did not believe they had someone who cared enough to do something about this in 2001, in 1981, in 1961. Well, keep in mind, within this period, we had a really high profile case of sexual harassment with Nita Hill and Clarence Thomas that, that uh, no one wanted. So we don't have to even talk about Kavanaugh. It happened, you know, 30 years before, before he was a Supreme Court uh, uh, nominee. But there's something similar about those two men. And that similarity would be what, Alan? The, they, are, they are Republican guys. Are you kidding? They're both Republicans? <laughs> I've never heard of such. <laughs> you know, that two Republicans would do something like that. And there's a third Republican out there who's high profile as well, who's got this track record. So I wonder, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's a Republican thing or whatever, but boy, oh boy, there have been a lot of high profile Republicans who are uh, doing some things that they that they ought to be embarrassed about and should, should, should over time should have apologized for. Well, we know they're not going to do that. Well, folks, I think that's it for another episode of Not Angry Black Men. I, boy, that was some that was a real good conversation, fellas. Um, at the end of our show, we always do a segment 
called Just a Minute, where each of us, one by one, will talk for a minute about whatever we're going to talk about. It doesn't have to be this topic that we've been on today. It could be whatever you want to talk about. So we're going to start off with justice with Just a Minute. Well, after this heavy conversation that we had, I'm going to take something a little lighter because this certainly was heavy. The Cleveland Indians are about to change their name after the season to the Guardians. And it's a change that was long overdue. And they picked a name without doing due diligence. There's a, 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 a roller derby team in Cleveland called the Cleveland Guardians. And now they're in a pissing match with the Cleveland Guardians about who's going to own the name. Now keep in mind, the Guardians have a copyright to this name. They, it, it's been their name since I think 2011. How do you pick a name without doing his due diligence? And people are now talking about this mess instead of talking about how they're going to embrace this name. The Indians are probably going to get out of it by paying a ton of money to buy the rights. But if I were the Guardians, the roller derby team, I would not sell that name for under $10 million. Shame on the Indians for not doing, the, doing their due diligence. They should be embarrassed. Hey, man, that's, that's a good one. Well, I'm going to go back to some heavy-duty stuff. Uh, earlier this week, Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton threatened school districts in Tennessee if they attempt to make mass mandatory in their school district, he would ask the governor to call a special session, make it illegal, and take state money away from the districts that do that. It won't shock you to know that Sexton is a Republican. Across several American states, all run by, by Republicans, uh, they're following the same script. However, Sexton was extremely crass about it. When asked if he was concerned about more stories like the five-year-old Georgia boy who died from COVID, Sexton said, no, life was full of risks. In other words, he doesn't care about your children. The American Academy of Pediatrics says, face masks are the best hope for keeping kids in the classroom, especially with the infectious Delta variant taking over. Sexton's response? He knows more than the experts, and it's the politicians who will make those decisions. But isn't that why we're in this situation anyway? Because of political decisions? Cool. I'm going to jump in with mine. And, uh, you know, there have been plenty of times where I've uh, been on social media and I've uh, I've saw somebody talking about something and uh, wrote a real snappy insightful, funny uh, comment. And right before I pressed that button, I said, nah, let me go ahead and raise that. It, it ain't worth it. Uh, it came to mind when I saw a lot of talk online about uh, Simone Biles uh, when she uh, uh, stepped out of the team competition uh, at, the, at the Olympics in Tokyo, later came back and won a bronze medal in the balance beam. But this was a great example of me of people commenting on subjects they know little about. You see it a lot when uh, people step into politics for the first time and don't understand uh, basics. Uh, you see it, uh, it, it's a big on social media. My quick thought about it is 
shut the fuck up <laughs> when grown folks are living their lives unless you know what you're talking about. Oh, thank you. Well, everybody, I think that's it for today. Another episode of Not Angry Black Men. My name is Alan Witt. We've got Gary S. Witt and Justice B. Hill. We'll see you next week, folks. Take care, fellas. Take care, Alan. Gary. Yeah.